0: Hey guys, Paul here. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I just wanted to mention to you that later in the episode, you'll notice Kaylee and I's voices begin to sound a little funny. That's because there was a big furnace running in the background, and the noise was deafening. And so by using state-of-the-art audio software, I was able to remove that background noise, but it took a toll on our voices a little bit. So we sound a little extra trebly. That's just kind of the consequence of using lower-end mics. Which leads me to my point, I want to say a quick thank you to this show's sponsors for giving me the resources to purchase newer and higher quality microphones for future episodes. You guys are awesome, and I just got some, and I can't wait to release some crisp, clear-sounding episodes after this one. And I also want to give a massive thank you to those of you who have generously donated to the show using that donate button on the goldenfusionpodcast.com You guys rock, and you have no idea how much that helps everything, and you allow me to go out and get amazing people's stories like this one. All right, that's my little piece. Let's get started. Hey guys, Paul here. I just have one question for you. Do you prefer being on the ground when you eat breakfast, watch TV, and sleep? Or do you prefer to do such things on comfortable chairs, couches, and beds? If you chose the latter option, well, then Fairbury Furniture is the place for you. Fairbury Furniture is the area's premier furniture store serving Chinoa, Forest, Pontiac, Champagne, Dwight, Bloomington, and surrounding areas since 2004. They've earned countless five-star reviews. I literally can't even count them. There's too many. On Google, GoodBeds, and Facebook for their incredible customer service, Fairbury prices, gorgeous furniture, and their very generous delivery and setup services, which they offer to all of their customers. Fairbury Furniture has top-quality sofas, recliners, dressers, beds, mattresses, lamps, entertainment centers, dining sets, coffee tables, really any piece of furniture that you could imagine, while also offering beloved brands like Ashley, Tempur-Pedic, and Leather Italia that are sure to enrich your home living, which is of high importance these days since we're spending a lot of time at home. So when you decide it's time for a furniture upgrade, head on over to Fairbury Furniture and tell them that the golden fusion podcast sent you you're sure to find something you love Hello and welcome to the Golden Fusion Podcast, a show where we have conversations with inspiring Central Illinoisans about their experiences and accomplishments. Today my guest is Kaylee Cotter of Pontiac, Illinois. Kaylee is a member of the Pontiac Bible Church and has traveled around the globe to countries like Guatemala, South Africa, and even Kenya, as well as numerous states here in the U.S., all in the name of one thing, evangelization. Evangelization is bringing the good news of Jesus Christ into every human situation and seeking to convert individuals and societies to Christianity by the divine power of the gospel itself. That's roughly Pope Paul VI's definition of it. However, evangelization is more than simply getting someone to believe what you believe. It's bringing someone to the realization of the reality of God, Jesus, and their slash his love for you, among other things. Anyways, Kaylee clearly has a burning desire in her heart to bring people to the Christian faith, and she's taken the steps to do so. Oh, and she's only 19 years old! It was a real privilege to be able to take a look into this wonderful human's mind and explore her faith and the reasons behind it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Kaylee Cotter. Kaylee Cotter, how's it going?
1: It's good, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, thanks for asking, and thank you very much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I don't mean to make a big point of your age, but it's important in your story. You're 19 years old, yet you've traveled the world all in the name of evangelizing some far-off places. Uh, What places have you been to, just uh, to let our listeners know?
1: Yeah, yeah, so when I was 16, I took a mission trip to Guatemala, when I was seventeen, I went to Kenya, and just now, when I was eighteen slash nineteen I was in South Africa.
0: Is it fair to say that you went to these places, and the main goal in mind was evangelization, or were you doing stuff? I know some places some groups will go build houses, go do this and that for the poor. Was your main thing evangelizing uh you know spreading the good word, informing people of who Jesus Christ, who God is?
1: For the most part. So like Guatemala, we mainly just spent time at different orphanages. We went like the week before Christmas, we went to just like love on some kids and just to bring Christmas and to bring hope. Um, We did do evangelism there um, where we went out and just like shared the gospel. Kenya was specifically like we're going out, we're trying to plant churches, we're telling people, we're sharing the gospel every day. That's what we're doing. We're going out every day to share the gospel. Um,
0: Now, what does that mean? You were going out to share the gospel, and were you just walking out into city streets and saying, hey, sir, stop. Let me tell you something. (laughs)
1: So, uh, not in Kenya, no. Um, We had a, a team of, like, 15 people, I believe, so we had three different locations. So I went out to the same location every day. Like, we stayed somewhere separate to where we were actually talking to people at, and so... The place that we were at was literally like an open field, and there were some, like, houses over here, and then there was one over here, and so it was, like, lots of walking from, like, place to place. So
0: not densely populated. No. How did Day look in Kenya when mm-hmm. your main goal was evangelization?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kenya, morning started, get up, have my time with the Lord, go at breakfast. We had, like, specific times for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we stayed in, like, a hotel, kind of, but not what you would really think. Um, It's
0: not. I don't envision uh, the Hyatt Hotel or anything when I think of your hotel in Kenya. Was it a little less luxurious than a typical American hotel?
1: Yes. So there was no like heating or air. There was running water, which was a blessing, um, but there's no like hot water. We didn't actually figure out how to use the hot water until like the last day. Um, (laughs) Actually, like in our beds at night, we were under mosquito nets And they gave us, like, these hot water bottles to keep us warm. Don't get me wrong. It was beautiful, and I did love it.
0: And then, really quick, you you said you went to um, Guatemala, and your main goal had something to do with adoption or orphanages?
1: Yes. So, actually... Guatemala is probably my favorite country that I've been to. And probably because we had friends that were missionaries there. And so I was just like, wow, I felt like they were celebrities, right? I was like, I love them. I love their mission. I love their heart. And so like i had studied, you know, Guatemala before I went. And they, you know, just serve at different orphanages. So we went, we brought pinatas, we brought Christmas presents, stories, just things like that. And we just like went and hung out with kids. We just loved on them and got to play with them. We sang songs with them. Um, we would share, you know, Bible stories with them. And it was a blessing. We actually went through an organization. So, like, my church organized that trip, um, but it was through Orphan Outreach.
0: Oh, so Orphan Outreach probably contacts a bunch of different churches in America and says, hey, want to go here, here, and here? Mm-hmm. And then they send a group. The church yep. sends a group. Yep. Okay. First of all, you said there's already a group there that you thought were celebrities.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> so they're my friends. Their name are Dan and Christy Um, And they actually grew up in our church and moved to Guatemala with Orphan Outreach. So they worked under Orphan Outreach. And that's how they organized the mission trip, through our church. Okay.
0: And so Pontiac Bible Church is where you go yes. for church services mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Well, before we dive into kind of what you did in those places while you were there, I want to know, how did you ever get to know Jesus Christ? How did you become so religious? Where's this all come from? Where's your enthusiasm for spreading the gospel come from?
1: Honestly, God, when it all boils down to it, right? Because, like, my parents were not believers growing up, um, and the Lord saved them through premarital counseling um, because they had me when they were 18, and... The Lord just brought a complete blessing through that.
0: I want to say really quick, like your dad, I, I remember your dad from when I was a kid. He would run Little Hawks Wrestling while I think he was in high school. It's it's interesting looking back now, I'm like, he had a kid during that time. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And he was a wrestling captain, if I remember my history correct, which I might not. But uh, yeah. that's quite the task. He's, he was at least, he was a very busy guy in high school. Yeah. I know that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My dad is very, very determined, very driven, very... Uh, on top of things, and always, like, was pushing to do his best.
0: So, you continue on your story. You said yeah. they were in high school when your parents had you at Prairie Central,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, my dad went to Prairie Central, my mom went to Pontiac. They met their freshman year of high school, had me their senior year. Um, obviously, life got crazy for them. And uh, the Lord just, like, continued to shower blessings over them. So, my parents both come from very broken homes, and his mom and dad... Our divorce, But his mom would always, you know, they had parties all the time and we're always getting drunk all the time. And so he was him and my mom were having issues, constantly arguing, constantly fighting. they had had me at this time and they were living in their own apartment. And my dad was at his mom's house who was having people over. They were all drunk and he was on his way to go to my mom's to tell her that she, he was going to divorce her.
0: Oh, so they were married. Yes. At what? 19? Yes. Okay, interesting. So he's kind of like going to his mom's, he's letting off some steam, Mm -hmm. and then he's about to leave to go divorce your mom. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Correct. And he gets in an argument with one of the people that were there about, you know, what scripture says about divorce, which they don't actually know what they're talking about but neither did my dad right like he was super young in his faith and so he like goes out into this you know old like dresser pulls out this like top drawer that has a bible in there like it has to blow off the dust right this bible has not been touched in forever so he looks it open because he's just like so frustrated with the way that my mom was treating him and thinks that my mom should be like in submission to him like anything that he says should be going because he's the leader of the household right so he's looking for this bible verse right he's like flipping through the pages where does it say wives you should submit to your husbands
0: he's trying to prove his point to whoever he's arguing with
1: yes Mm -hmm. um because she's trying to defend my mom and my dad's like no you're wrong and so he gets open this bible and he starts Reading this verse, and as he goes on, um, it says, "Husbands, do not divorce your wives." And it's just like this altering moment of like God just like completely stepped in and saved that marriage because he couldn't deny that he's like, okay, if I'm saying that scripture is true, then this is true, and I should not divorce her. And so, then that night went and had lots of conversations after that, and it's not been perfect since then, but God saved their marriage, and I know that like if God. You know, my whole my whole foundation is God, and if he wasn't real, then my parents would be divorced. Plain and simple.
0: That seemed like a very pivotal moment for your parents' relationship, probably for your dad and his faith, if I had to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What happened with, with them then, and how did that affect your faith?
1: Yeah, yeah. So my parents, so my dad is actually um, an elder at our church. So um, the way that Pontiac Bible Church functions is like we have our lead pastors and we have an elder board. So like the pastors aren't necessarily on top, but there's a collective group of people, men that sit down and discuss, you know, our constitution, just different things that we believe in, how things should function, stuff like that. And then my mom helps lead the children's ministry and they're both like, just their relationship and the way they model Christ is so beautiful.
0: So you have good role models in your life in your parents. Absolutely. So what was it like growing up then? How do you? Because I'll be honest, I'm shocked by your faith, by your belief in God, the strength of your faith, and how inquisitive you are about the nature of God and the history of Christianity and things like that. What has led to your faith being as strong as it is now?
1: Again, just like pointing to God, it's just the way that he's wired me. I would say that I I fell in love with this from a very young age, especially looking on the evangelism side. Like my mom tells me the story, like I don't fully remember this, but my mom will tell me the story of like three-year-old Kaylee running up to her with like pure joy in her eyes of just being like, Mom, we have to go tell our neighbors about Jesus. And it was just like this heart that so desires for everyone to know that like Jesus is so good and like his love is so pure and this is who he is and he's so much better than what the world has to offer you know and just like having that that desire is totally just how the Lord has wired me I don't have like really any other explanation and so I didn't have a one defining moment of like I was once broken and lost and like yes I was but it's just been like a constant growing of my faith and a constant like growing of a relationship and like getting to know God more of like diving more into his word like you you're always learning you're always getting to know him more there's no like all right I know everything <laughs> like even when I think I do he's like hmm gaily no you don't <laughs> right
0: how how could you ever how could you ever know inside and out the nature and the reality of something that's infinite of god that's infinite it's impossible sheesh i mean people dedicate their entire lives and become like monks and stuff and they're still constantly searching yeah so you obviously have an evangelist's heart Mm -hmm. do you think that the holy spirit kind of works through you in that way that that maybe god's given you this evangelist's heart for good reason do you think he wants you to be an evangelist
1: Absolutely. I would say that. I would say, and that's one thing that, you know, has been on my heart a lot of like, okay, God, I, I recognize the gifts that you've given me, like talents and things that I have in ways that I'm wired, things that I'm good at that other people aren't, right? Like there are things in my life. There are things that like I'm not as good at and I'm like, okay, then I'm not going to do those things, right? Because I'm not supposed to do those things um, and that's okay. But also like this is how how you've designed my heart, you've given me such a heart to tell people how, what does that look like? What do I need to do like for future? You know,
0: I think it's interesting that you said you look at your skills when you determine what you should do next with your life, even. I think that's commendable. I've heard Father Mike Schmitz, who's a priest one time said something that was that really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And it's when determining when deciding what you should do with your life you should ask yourself a few questions. You should fairly assess your skills. So one, is this door open to me? If I'm thinking what I should do in my life and I consider do- go- joining the MBA, <laughs> that door is not open to me because I can't jump. Yeah, I can't really right. run fast. I'm not tall or anything. So the door is not open. Then is it a good door? Is it good in nature? Is it holy? Is it pleasing to God? If I, you know, want to become a stripper or something, (laughs) you
1: know,
0: know. that's not necessarily a good door, but then, you know, also, is it a door that I want to go through? Mm -hmm. Doing what you're doing, does that kind of check all those boxes or all those doors open?
1: And that's what I would say, especially after and towards the end of high school, right? Because you always get the, hey, what are you doing next? Hey, what are you doing next? What are you doing doing with your life at 18 years old? Exactly. And, And... And I had options, right? And just as I was praying into those options, because I thought about going to community college, I thought about just going into work or I thought about like doing other things and um, just praying into like, okay, God, what do you want? And he's just always like, okay, well, I've given you these options, choose one and watch me work through it, you know, because these are good things like going to a community college would have been great. But instead I went to Youth with the Mission and it was so good for me too. And God worked in big ways through that. And that's how I had the opportunity to go to South Africa.
0: Well, do you think that there's multiple good paths that Absolutely. you could go down?
1: Absolutely. We have free will, right? We have choices. To, it's just what we choose, right? How do I choose to glorify God through this? Or how do I choose to take this on? This opportunity that I've been presented with. It's all, you know, attitude and how we go about it
0: and life is full of choices and i think if you choose each decision while running that decision through like uh, with god in mind you make that decision i think you'll pretty well go down a path that he would like you to go down and i say a path not the path do you think there is one solid path that you should go down in life that god says like this is the road you better take every correct turn no you don't (laughs) oh i do
1: not (laughs) i do not believe in having one specific carved out plan that the lord has given you because we're human and we make mistakes like yes i believe that he knows what mistakes we're going to make and he knows what good choices we're going to make and he, he knows all of those things and he may want better for us which he does right like when we when we mess up and we turn down a path that maybe we shouldn't have like He's not pushing you down that path. That's not how that's out of God's character. He's not saying, "Oh, go down this road," even though it's against everything that I've written. Like that, that's not how God works. Yeah, he would never
0: will you to defy him.
1: Right. And we we do defy him. We do mess up. And that's not God's doing. That's our doing. It's all personal decision, personal responsibility, and our free will.
0: So you go to Guatemala first. What was that experience like showing up in guatemala was that the first time you've ever been to a uh, third world country yeah what was that like
1: yeah what a what a great question paul (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. i hate that question um (laughs) just because it's so vague but i get it right like i get that all the time um like i said guatemala was probably my favorite country and because i had done you know research beforehand of like what's the culture like what things am i gonna see and like just seeing even antigua in pictures versus like which is their one of their like bigger cities um was like a dream come true seeing it like they have this like specific arch in one of their roads that is so beautiful and it's such a beautiful um country and i like the weather was perfect. I'll just say that, and I saw volcanoes and all these things. Actually, one erupted while we were there. You know, it's sounds kind of
0: lame when volcanoes erupt these days. I feel like there a lot of them are just like squirting out, like, oh, this, yeah. okay. like barely one smoking. This huge big thing. It's but... technically an eruption, yeah. <laughs> but
1: it, like, how many people can say that they've seen a volcano erupt? Right. <laughs> it's very like, come true. on, come on. I
0: don't on. mean to rain <laughs> on that <laughs> that experience or hey, anything.
1: <laughs> I still appreciate it. It's fun. <laughs> um but yeah so uh, again that experience was to just hang out with some kids and love on some kids and i've always loved children I have, I have lots of younger siblings but i've also served in like um children's ministry at the church and stuff and so it was it was still like i've never actually experienced like cultural shock right and i think that this is also just the way that the lord has wired me of just like to expect and just to have like I had so much peace while I was there. And I never felt, like, unsafe. When you picture a third world country, you picture, you know, like, depression and poverty and all those things. And trust me, there is poverty in Guatemala. But they have so much joy with what they have.
0: It's almost like the joy is more pure. It's it not is. false joy that comes by receiving a like on social media, maybe. Yeah. Or The temporary
1: happiness is that really the united states gains right and i think one of the things that i really took away was like us needs this joy like going back home of being like everything that i see like is is happiness and it's so temporary and like these people have the everlasting joy this is what i want to bring home
0: i've heard that joy joy is a little bit different than happiness you can kind of have happiness when your needs are met and yeah. when you're not in a state of agony and i i don't know what i'm trying to say here but joy is like a vibrant display of the holy spirit in a way and i know that sounds that's probably confusing to people that don't know the nature of the holy spirit or whatever but joy is a little different than um mere comfort like we most of us have in the united states joy is something else
1: joy is powerful right like scripture says joy is our strength Hmm. which is a big deal hmm the What's... joy of the Lord is our strength.
0: Well, do you have a pretty profound love for children, especially after that experience in Guatemala? I would say so.
1: Yeah. It made it... me want to adopt them all.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because the average number of children per family continues to go down in the United States. I- I'm making an assumption here. Mm-hmm. Are you pro-life? Very much. I'm not surprised. And I mean, of course, I am as well. And who couldn't be, after going and seeing what you did in Guatemala, the joy on these kids' faces in a third world country? That's really interesting to me. The joy on these kids' faces, despite living in a place that's not quite, you know, up to the United States living standards.
1: We even, like, got the opportunity to go to a uh, Down syndrome school, and it was like, one of the most shocking things, like all they want to do is dance and celebrate and just like party with us. Like they just wanted to hang out, and it was, oh,
0: that's really incredible. I mean, spe- children with Down syndrome seem to be very joyful for whatever reason. This is kind of heavy. Uh, last year, one hundred percent of children with Down syndrome in the country of Iceland. I don't know if you already know this were aborted there were no children born last year or the year before in iceland that had down syndrome i think in europe the average is around 70 in in the united states it's 67 percent of children who have been found to have down syndrome in the womb are aborted that shouldn't sit well with people i don't think
1: i don't think either actually from personal experience my parents were again young when they were pregnant with me and the doctor even mentioned like would you want an abortion like she might possibly have down syndrome like they had like seen some signs weren't a hundred percent and also like you're young you know and so that was a conversation between my parents right like they sat down and said do we want to run tests to see if she has down syndrome and it was the why would that change anything and that's totally from the lord
0: human life is sacred
1: regardless
0: of of anything of the method of conception the nature of the conception because they're young you know of whether or not they have a disability of some sort you know that human life is still sacred and i also want to say because your parents had the conversation means nothing against your your mom or any woman who or or father who is considering that you know they're they're probably scared they're worried it's, it's totally normal to consider that. But so you walk away from this thing with a new what?
1: Probably just a new perspective of what joy really means and what it actually is. Right? Because we, we see over and over, even throughout like biblical stories of like the woman that gave her two cents. And that was what I saw modeled in Guatemala. Like these people were so full of joy with, with their two cents.
0: That's pretty cool. And then eventually you ended up going to, uh, Kenya and what did you do in Kenya?
1: Yeah. So again, um, day that I get up, have my breakfast, we packed lunches. And so we had lunches in a van. <laughs> we had actually like, I wish I had one. Um, it's called the Vanji cube. And so it's just this little cube and it like walks through the gospel and I don't speak Swahili.
0: <laughs> Swahili. That's what they speak in Kenya. In Kenya, mm-hmm. Yes.
1: If I can share a quick story, Mm -hmm. one of my personal favorite stories, this guy, his name was John and he was our, our like taxi driver. So he, he drove our van out to where we were evangelizing. And the first day we get there, we like, stop, we all unload and we're like, all right, let's, let's, let's go. Let's go talk to someone. He like jumps out and runs around. He's like, what are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. And so like, we're able to present him the gospel and he can speak both English and Swahili. And he's like, I'm in. I love this. And he, like, right there accepts Christ and is out translating with us the rest of the time. Oh, that's
0: incredibly useful. Wow. That's
1: insane. Oh, like, my gosh. We had a designated translator. Like, Oh, okay. The organizing, organization that, we went, that I went with, our driver, he's just incredible. And he was such a blessing to us. And just the joy that he was filled with, too, was just evident, like, right off the bat.
0: Well, tell me about... What did the average evangelization session, is what I would call it, what did that look like?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, because we had these, like, little cubes that we would walk through, it, like, flips through.
0: Is that your main tool, the cube?
1: It was in Kenya, yes. Okay. Um, Not all the time, though. And so, we would flip through that, and so, like, it starts off just talking about, like, you know, in the beginning, God created man and then man sinned, and there was separation, there's a gap now. There's no way that we can go, um, that we can get to God. So, God sent his son down, who lived a perfect life. We walked through the gospel. I don't know if you want me to keep going or not. Oh, no, no, you're good, you're good. Okay.
0: People can go read it for themselves if they want. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, but yeah, so basically just walked through the gospel, right, like, and, um, lots of pausing right so it's like in the beginning god did this and then it's like waiting for the translation to come through and it's full surrender to the lord because you have no idea what they're saying and it's just like holy spirit i pray that you're moving i like so the whole time you're like actually speaking and sharing the gospel but you're also praying and asking the holy spirit just to move and just to be present and just to communicate that clearly and effectively and to a point where they can understand and be touched by it
0: are you standing on like a street corner doing
1: this um I mean, sometimes not in Kenya In Kenya, again, it was just more of like, it was like basically farmland and there was just a bunch of like little huts um, and they were again, like pretty, pretty spread out from each other, but that it was all surrounded by this like super tall fence that I could walk under because it kept the elephants out from eating their corn. What the heck? <laughs> Isn't that wild? That's crazy. <laughs> the elephants? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> And so, there were just people out, like, farming. There were people walking around just doing their daily things. Um, All the children would go to, like, this school. And so, when they were, like, out, they would come and follow us from, like, house to house that we would go to. And it was just walking up to someone and saying, hey, like, how are you today? And just starting a conversation. And it's a conversation from then on, like, presenting the gospel and asking, like, do you want this? and just waiting for a response
0: were the were the responses like overwhelmingly negative like get out of here what are you doing on my property or was it mostly like um people were like well tell me more or did people seem interested most of the time
1: so for kenya um i would say most people were very receptive if they didn't want anything to do with it they would just not talk to you at all and they would just probably say like no thanks or just like wave or whatever and you would never have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to actually talk to them but most people that we had an opportunity to actually share with they were like okay yeah i'll pray this prayer with you and some of them it was just like a you couldn't tell if it was uh i'm ready to get out of this or uh dang this is actually this is actually it but there were, there were a bunch. There, I think, uh, stats. I don't like stats. I don't like numbers. I don't think it's ever a number game. Um, oh, yeah, fair.
0: Numbers can tell you a lot, though. But I'm numbers can
1: tell you a lot. <laughs> and I would say essentially, like, our goal there was to train the people there to go and to continue to tell people.
0: Ah, oh, I see, I see. Well, more than um, learn it for themselves, because you can assume that this is the first time they're hearing it, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so, like, we we would often leave the gospel cube with people and, um like, take them with us, right? And so if they were like, yeah, I'm in, I'm like, okay, come with us, come join us, come share, come watch us talk to someone else, come learn more, you know? And, and they would
0: literally, like, come walk with you? And they would
1: follow us, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: That sounds... Exactly like Jesus times right there, and it's nearly like the same environment, (laughs) like people standing out in the hot sun and just like, yeah, I don't know about the elephants, but like, yeah,
1: just (laughs) walking by. We were okay.
0: (laughs) So what was so what did you take away from that whole experience? Was it hopeful, or were you like, dang, there's a lot of people that don't know about the gospel, and that kind of bums me out.
1: Yeah, no. So my biggest takeaway was my hardest night. I had a night that I was just in tears because our leaders were counting like how many you know people said yes and and that's a good thing right because then we get to celebrate like oh my goodness like these many people today said yes but I just felt like it it was becoming more of a numbers thing than a heart thing and I was like I feel like all we do is just share the gospel and then keep moving on like we need to actually like they need to know that they're loved they need to know what this love is and I was just like in tears one night and like Sue like came over she's like are you okay and I was like I'm really struggling with this like I feel like this is more of a numbers thing than it is a heart thing and this is not what this is about you know and again that's just the Lord's heart like in the way that he's wired me and her biggest thing was like all right Kaylee we do have to trust the Lord in this like obviously that's not where her our leader's heads were at of like oh we want to just get the numbers But that was my biggest thing of, like, being able to trust the Holy Spirit and trust the Lord and say, Lord, you love them more than I do, which means this is in your hands, which means if their hearts are touched, it's because of you and not me anyway. Like, there's nothing that I can do there. Like, I'm there. To be your your mouth and to speak this, and other than that, your their heart is in your hands.
0: Right. I'll be honest. Like my mind immediately went to, "What's it matter if we get these people in the door? If we don't show them around and explain everything to them, and really get them invested in in coming and that's to not God?" Our job. Right. And this seems and that's like that's
1: what I wasn't called to do in that moment. You know.
0: Right. It seems like this was a prime example of an opportunity to trust God. I mean, yep. what else are you going to do?
1: Literally. Yeah, you have no
0: choice but to trust God. Mm-hmm. And you, no, he's capable of absolutely anything. So there's reason to have full faith and hope that he's continuing to work in those people's lives. Yep. Well, I, I, I've, we've got to go back to just your faith. For anyone to cry because they feel that they have not impacted the lives and taught people enough about God shows that they trust and have an immense faith of their own. Vulnerable question here. Have you ever lost your faith entirely?
1: I wouldn't say that I've entirely lost my faith. Um, I have had seasons of doubt and seasons of like, God, I don't know where you are, right? Like feeling lost and feeling surrounded by all darkness, right? And just being like, God, I know that you're real. I'm supposed to know these things, but I, I don't get it. I don't know where you're at. And it wasn't like, I don't believe you're real anymore. But it's just been like seasons of doubt. Like, how, how do I know? You know, I've had those questions. How do I know that this is real? How do I know that this is true?
0: Well, that's, I've heard that that is actually a necessary component of faith in the first place is in order for faith to manifest, to exist, there has to be a little bit of unknowing, a little bit of doubt. And faith is kind of that bridge over that unknown, you know, that connects you to the divine Existence. I don't know what to call it The mysteries of God. Yeah, I mean, we're we're never gonna have exactly one hundred percent pure faith to the point that it's knowing. You can act like it. You can feel extra good about your faith in one day from and like feel like you know, but you never really know for certain for the rest of your life. Even if even if an angel came down, talked to you, went away. Eventually, in a few years, you might wonder if that was a hallucination. Like it's it's funny how we never know for certain. It's called faith for a reason.
1: believing in something that's unseen right
0: oh yeah maybe that's the definition (laughs) well i want to ask what do you are you prepared for if you go to college this is typically when it happens you have an immense test of faith you mentioned to me that you might be going to a college here pretty soon are you prepared for that for a biology teacher to push you to question god's existence like how, how do you plan to handle that
1: that has to do a lot with how much I weigh the Bible, right? Because everything I turn back to Scripture, because that's where that's where God's character is modeled the be- the most, right? That's where we can find defining lines. This is what I believe that this is one hundred percent fact. So I fact check things. Is is this true? Like you know what this thing says in science? Can I prove it with the Bible? Yes or no. Simple as that, right? Because. Because the Bible does prove things in science. The Bible does prove things in history. I believe science and Bible and history can all go hand in hand.
0: I really think from a historical standpoint that the Bible is, at the end of the day, a collection of historical texts. I mean, it really is. It's a collection of historical texts and documents. They documented, wrote down things that happened in the important life of Jesus. You know, put him in the New Testament and stuff. You talk about the Bible... Kind of proving things that science says. I always love to go to this. The Bible starts with, and God said, you know, let there be light." That's the beginning of existence, the beginning of the universe. George Lemaitre, it was him primarily, alongside Edwin Hubble, come up with the theory of the Big Bang. And that kind of matches perfectly with that one of the more abstract stories of the Bible, the "Let there be light." Very congruent with the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I like what you said there. I mean. Science and religion, Christianity, really do go hand in hand, so.
1: And yeah, so so if I'm faced with questions or thoughts that I I mean, a don't fully understand, like one of the biggest takeaways from my mission trip in South Africa is like I can go to God for everything. Whether that looks like turning straight to scripture or turning to prayer or worship or whatever, like musical worship. Like whatever it looks like for me to to essentially, again, like fact check that needs to happen. And I believe that that will happen throughout my life, of course. And moments of doubt of like, wait a minute, you know, is God real? Is is this true? And exactly what you said, right? That's healthy. This is how we grow our relationship with Christ. This is how we grow in our faith.
0: Something you've also said before is, you know, God was speaking to me, telling me to do this. And I hear that type of language Mm -hmm. all the time. I'm a very literal thinker, and so that's a bit confusing to me. I remember when I was a kid, I would get jealous because I would hear of someone at a church saying God spoke to them to do this, and he was moving them, telling them to do this and that. I'm like, man, God doesn't ever speak to me. Like I've yeah. never heard his voice, and what must that be like to hear his voice? Well it's typically not literal, although sometimes it is. Yeah. You don't hear the literal voice of God in your ear. But what's it like? What's something that God's told you to do? And how did you know he was telling you to do it? And we'll hear Kaylee's answer to this important question in just one second. But first, I'd like to give a shout out to one of this show's amazing sponsors, a local place that's perfect for relaxation and beautification called Jay Marie's Salon and Day Spa. Now, this is an amazing establishment. It's staffed with friendly, professional trained stylists who offer a wide variety of salon services all at an affordable price, including haircuts, color services, waxing, lash extensions, manicures, pedicures, acrylic enhancements, and my personal favorite, a wide variety of specialty massages. They're open Tuesday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. for walk-ins, and then again on those same days from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., but for scheduled appointments only. They're also open on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Take a moment for yourself and enjoy a quality salon and day spa experience at J. Marie's Salon and Day Spa at 204 East Locust Street in Fairbury. Shoot them a message on their Facebook page at J. Marie's Salon and Day Spa, which I will link in the show notes below. Again, that's J. Marie Salon and Day Spa in Fairbury. We all know that in order to love others, you must first love yourself. Now show yourself some love and head on over to J. Marie's Salon and Day Spa. All right, back to Kaylee's answer. what's it like? What's something that God's told you to do and how did you know he was telling you to do it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, because I've struggled with the exact same thing. Like, I think it was maybe sixth grade, I went to a winter camp and it was like, go take time and pray and come back and like, see what you heard God say. And I went home from that winter retreat like again, in tears. Like, I can't hear God. What am I doing wrong? Maybe my faith's not right. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe, like, I've sinned too much, and so God doesn't want to talk to me. Maybe he's ignoring me. Maybe I'm doing all of these things wrong. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not how God works. And so, it was just like, there are a lot of times where God doesn't say anything, and there are times where we are too stubborn or just too blind to realize that it's God. And I think that the too stubborn times, it's like we know, like we're convicted and we feel things of like, I know that I should go talk to that person and tell them that um, I'm sorry for what I did wrong. Or I know that I'm sitting at a coffee shop and there's someone over there and all of a sudden I'm like, I feel like I should go pray for her, or I feel like I should go, you know, share the gospel with her. It's like, uh, and then you just make all the excuses not to, and so then it's like, uh, well, God, if I'm really supposed to do that, let a tree, let a leaf fall off the tree. Oh, no, I didn't say that leaf, God. Like, you know, like, all the things that we we question and we doubt, but really, like, I feel like the biggest way to understand if what we're hearing or what we're feeling or what we're trying to decipher is god or not is judging his character right is going back to like would would god say this does it make sense for him to say this like does it make sense for me for god to want me to go share the gospel with this person absolutely right like that's how A, he's wired me, and B, how he works throughout scripture. And so, even just simple ways like that.
0: I've heard some people say that the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of men by way of their conscience. That your conscience is literally the voice of God, at least in part. I think that's kind of a fair theory to have, you know?
1: I, I would agree. I think that the Holy Spirit does dwell in us, and I think the Holy Spirit is a big communicator.
0: I think deep down we know when we're going against what our conscience is pushing us to do. Oh, absolutely. And so we'd be going against what God's wanting us to do. And yeah, I think we have a good sense of when that is. I would agree. So you obviously have a massive faith in God. You're willing to do whatever he wants you to do. Is that fair to say?
1: It is fair to say. I'm not saying that like in the moment I don't... Um, struggle or have conversations with God that are like, do you really want me to do that? Do you really want me to do right, that? Right,
0: you wrestle with God. That's very important. In fact, I mean, Israel, the name Israel mm-hmm. translates to to wrestle with God. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can become closer to God. But mm-hmm. anyways, I think I cut you off there. What were you going to say? No,
1: you're okay, but just saying like, yes, I, I am open to what the Lord has because I know that his plans for me are better than whatever I could ever come up with. So I want to glorify him.
0: Well, we're kind of getting to the end of this show then, this episode. Can you tell me, what are your goals for the future, just in general? I know that's a very general question, but what are your goals for the future? I know you're probably flexible, willing to go wherever God wants you to go, but...
1: Yeah, so it is clear that God has given me an evangelical heart, right? Like, I have a heart for people. I love people a lot, and I want what the Lord has to offer for them, not what the world has to offer for them. And I don't know what that looks like yet of how the Lord wants to use, you know, the passions and the talents and the heart that he's given me. Um, But I know that whatever I choose and whatever I'm presented with, like, my ultimate goal is to glorify God. I know that's kind of vague, but yeah, I want... In my everyday life, even even right now, what I'm currently doing, working at a bank, how can I glorify God today? And that's what it boils down to, right? Because we're not asked to like go on crazy mission trips all the time. We're not asked to like give up everything and live on the streets for a while. Like God doesn't God doesn't do that. He says, No, come follow me. Come model Christ. Right? And how does like Jesus love on people? He just he just loves on people. You know? And and that's what it boils down to. How can I make someone smile today? How can I sh- how can I radiate God's love today? How can I model His love best today? How can I love on people? I just want to love people well. I want them to be influenced and seen because that's what this world needs. People people need to be seen. People want to be heard. People need to know God's love because unlike human love, that's temporary. This is eternal, just like joy, right? And, like, it does more than satisfy, you know? It's everlasting. It doesn't go away.
0: It does more than satisfy. That's kind of deep. That's, that's kind of <laughs> cool. No, no, I love <laughs> that. That's great. Okay. <laughs> it fills. It it completes.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, right? Like, we see over and over again, like, as humans, we're, we're looking for something. We're searching for something. That something is Christ because, again, it stays, it doesn't go away. He's continually pursuing you. We're searching for this pursuit. We're searching searching for this joy, for this love, for this, this thing that the world so poorly gives us an example of.
0: They say there's a God-sized hole in the heart, and only yeah. one <laughs> thing can fill that. You know, we can try with a bunch of other things, but... Well, is there anything you'd like to mention before we kind of wrap this thing up?
1: So, if anything, I would wrap up in prayer, but we don't have to do that. <sighs> but...
0: we can wrap it up with a prayer if you want
1: that's up to you oh yeah
0: go ahead you lead it though
1: (laughs) that's fine i'll lead it Uh i don't care i'm ready all right all right hey god um thank you for this time you know sitting here with paul and just getting to really dive into like your purpose and for my life and just you know being able to glorify you and things that you've already done and you know, the unknown, the things that you haven't done yet. Um, God, thank you for the heart that you've blessed me with. Thank you for Paul and just for the heart that you've blessed him with and for the ways that you've wired him and the ways that, you know, he is a leader and just the influence that you are giving through Paul, you know, through his podcast and just, um through his everyday life just the influence that paul is like (laughs) god you have marked him with joy and that is evident and it is clear and it is beautiful and so just thank you for this opportunity and for loving us the ways that you do amen
0: amen wow hey thank you (laughs) that was really nice (laughs) all right that's a wrap thank you very much for coming on to the show kaylee
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or any social media platform. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can head over to thegoldenfusionpodcast.com and donate as little as one dollar if you like. If you're a small business who wants to have your business advertised in this podcast, again, just head over to thegoldenfusionpodcast.com and drop us a line in the ad spot section at the bottom of the homepage. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Golden Fusion Podcast. God bless and have a great week.